doing the week schedule which I work, Saturdays for the last month and month and a half, they have had me come in at six in the morning. And uh, yesterday I was allowed to leave at 11. Actually, I didn't I left around 11.45 because my replacement wasn't there and I didn't walk away from just one girl to say about something. But normally, um, sometimes it's longer than sometimes it's up to two, but I always come in at six. And uh, I, that environment, instead of working at the main gate, they have it down at Lumber because there are a lot of contractors and things like that that come in and get started early on Saturday morning, so they do that. And, uh, but frequently during this viral scare and the pressures that we've had, there's not been many people. So for example, yesterday I was there, and I guess maybe for the first hour, I only had one customer come through the line that got something in. It wasn't just a couple of things. So I spent a lot of time there. Uh, I'm sitting on the stool. We're not, they don't like you to sit normally, uh, but when there's nobody there, I sit because I have two bad knees. And but they know that. They do that. It's not a problem. But um, while I was there, and I, was, I did a lot of prayer, talking to the Lord. And I was thinking about this verse over and over again. So I'm going to just overflow that verse to you. So if you don't have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John 14, verse 21. It's a very simple verse, and uh, but it is absolutely, extremely, in my opinion, extremely profound. And the verse reads as follows. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them. This is uh, John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And I was thinking about that and just kind of going over and over in my mind. Uh, he, when he says, he who has my commandments keeps them, I don't, I don't think he's just simply saying everybody who has a Bible and tries to obey it. I think there's more to it. Who, who is it that he's referring to when he talks about those who have my commandments. I think he, I, I keep thinking of, and yesterday when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, Jesus and the good shepherd in John 10. Jesus said there, when he was talking about who his sheep were and how you distinguish his sheep from everybody else, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me, I give unto them eternal life. And, one of the distinguishing characteristics about those who belong to the Lord, as opposed to everybody else, is that those that are his recognize his voice. They discern his voice and they pursue him. They follow him. They seek him. Uh, they're not just happy to go their own way. I mean, we all, we stray away. I stray away too. That bothers me to do that. But we are concerned. For that relationship and we're concerned for him. And I think what he's saying here is that those that, that belong to me, they have my commandments and they keep them. The idea of keeping them, um, you could translate that more than just obey. It means to observe, even to fulfill the purpose of the commandment, the, the letter, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, to fulfill it, to um, have the commandment really produce in you what it was intended to produce. You see what I'm saying? In other words, the commandment is not just sterile. We do A, B, and C, and then we walk away, but it reacts with us. God's word does that, and it produces in us. I was thinking 
In uh, Deuteronomy 10, <coughs> looking, trying to look at this, Deuteronomy 10, 12, passage in the Old Testament, says, Israel, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments, his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. That's good, isn't it? His commandments are keep, to observe, you keep them, they are given to you for your good, for growth. And so when he says here, he who has my commandments, talking about us and keep them, he's talking about those who belong to him, who hear his and are observing and are pursuing him in these commandments is the one who loves me. That's the idea, by the way. The word love appears in this verse several times. And when he says love, that's that's that is taken in the, it's the same root word that you would use for agape. It's the word agapao, and it, it has to do with the direction of the will, love of the will, um, a love that is um, not just felt emotionally. It is emotional, but it's also a decisional, a volitional love, a decision of the mind. I don't know how to illustrate. I was trying to think of a way of illustrating that. Um, Frequently, we'll have, um, sometimes we'll have these meetings at Lowe's and we'll sit, we're just people who come in random and sit down and it doesn't matter where you sit, it's just a kind of a meeting and there's a lot of people there. And when I come to the back of the room, and this is going to make it sound like I'm bragging, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling the truth. When I come to the back of the room, I look over, when I go to sit down, I usually try to find, a, if I can, a seat beside somebody that nobody picks out and sit beside. There are people that people don't sit beside, and usually they're the ones that you can that need, need somebody to be a friend, so I'll try to do that. And it isn't because I necessarily physically or emotionally love the person, but I want to demonstrate a love for them in the fact that I want to be, you know, spend time with them. It's just, and I kind of think that's, I mean, we're not in ourselves. I know that we, we look good on Sunday morning. We dress up. We smell good. I trust, and uh, I did take a shower this morning, all this kind of stuff, and we want to look good. But we are, we do have wretched hearts. We are sinful. And in that sense, we are not attractive to the Lord. And yet, he loved us enough to give his son, not after we cleaned up our act and began to look a little bit more presentable, but he gave his life for us even while we were still sinners. Christ died for us when we were wretched, when we were detestable. That's a powerful love. That's a powerful display that the Lord God of the universe, the sovereign of the universe, displays toward us. And so here is this passage. Jesus is saying, he who has my commandments and keeps them, observes them, and fulfills them. He's the one who loves me, who, who uh, pursues me. That's the idea, to, to seek him. That's what it means to love the Lord. He says, pursue me. He says uh, an old passage of Scripture, if you love me, keep my commandments. In fact, uh, he says that down in verse 23. You want to jump down to 23. Jesus answered, talking about Judas. Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If you say you love the Lord, 
you will keep his commandments, you will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but is the Father's who sent me. Jesus is tying himself with the, with the Father, the Father, his word, and the Father's word. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. If you don't love me, you won't keep my word. And not keeping my word is a sign that you don't love me. So in this passage here, we are to love him. If we love him, he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, will be pursued by my Father, will be provided for my Father, will be protected by my Father. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's good security. You look, and and the, don't miss this. God the Father cares a lot about what you think about his son. I mean, it's really, that's, that, is the, that is the bar. If you want to know, if you want to have a good relationship with the Father, you treat his son nice. You, you seek him, you love him, you provide for that relationship, put him, he, he is number one, and put him on that, that place where he desires, where that place where he should, where he deserves, number one in your life, in your heart. And the Father will love you. And that's what he says, the Father will love me, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. My sweetheart is in heaven right now, and I've often thought, what, what do we do in heaven? I know we're not going to be little bare bottom babies flying around with a little harp in our hand. I remember Warren talking about that. I don't want to be a little angel with a little bow and arrow going around shooting people with cupids kind of stuff, you know. I can see. <laughs> that is not what we're going to be doing in heaven. Uh, but I think one of the things we're going to be doing in heaven is learning more and more about the Lord. I, I like the illustration I use because I like it so much is Disney World. I enjoy Disney World. I enjoy Disneyland. And especially I enjoy places like there is the Fantasy land where you have these gardens and it's a little like a little city with the streets and the little narrow buildings and place you can sit down and it's very very nice all the flowers and birds flying around it's really just an ideal situation you can just sit there and enjoy it but after a while it gets tired it gets old and there's nothing down here that we can do that that we don't get tired I mean of course there are people we love and we want to see them and we never get tired of seeing them in that sense but there's nothing that really fulfills us like the Lord. You think about how complicated the Lord is. And you look out there in the window, you see all the leaves, the trees, and all the bugs and all the birds, and you walk about the time the whole world, the Lord is keeping every leaf and every bug and every cell going, not only out there, but in your body, every breath you take, every heartbeat you have. It is awesome. And not only that, but you think about the universe and all the stars and the galaxies. Bible says, it just described, it says he made the stars also. I mean, this is awesome. And he did it in a day. And uh, this, is, this is beyond our ability to comprehend. And this God is so great. And he does things in such marvelous ways. If you think about, I was thinking about, we, we had a picture of a bird up on the screen here earlier today. And I've not seen anyone like that. But there's, there's such a wide variety of birds with different shapes, beaks, <coughs> different positions for their eyes different kinds of feet, some with long legs, some with short legs, some with big tail feathers, some with short feathers, um, different kinds of colors. Diff each one has a different, unique call 
and the different way the eggs are different, the way that they lay the eggs and the color of the eggs and the size of the eggs and all this kind of, and they eat different, some eat meat, some eat bugs and some eat uh, seeds and it's just a variety. It's an endless variety and it, that's just a, such a small display of the infinite variety of God. I remember reading a book by A.T. Pearson who was a, a, a Bible teacher and a scholar in the church a couple of generations ago and wrote the book Biblical Criticism, A.T. Pearson. If you get into his books, it'll be good to read. It's maybe a little bit hard to read because it's old English, but it's real good. But in that book, he was he was coming from a generation that was that was not scientifically minded as we are insofar as computers are concerned. But he had interviewed a lumberjack. And the lumberjack was talking about the difference, like for example, the maple leaves, all the different varieties, the different kinds of maple trees. And yet they all fall, each one falls into a certain category of, of a unique species of this particular kind of maple, this particular kind of maple, this particular kind of maple. You can tell because the, the, the leaves are all very similar, but yet they're always different. And they're always consistent with that kind of species of that kind of, of uh, I forget now what the term would be used, but that kind of category of that particular type of maple tree. And he said, not only that, but the stems of each one is uniquely different from one maple species to another, to another, they're different, they're similar, but they're different, and they're always consistent, and that's, and then he said something else, he said, you know, a lumberjack, a man who really knows this, can sit under the tree blindfolded at night, and can tell you what kind of tree it is by the sound that it makes when the breeze blows through. Each tree makes a unique sound. We have all these, everybody in the world, everybody in the world has different fingerprints, and uh, every, nobody, no, no two people have the same fingerprint. Everybody in the world smells differently. So you can take a dog and he can follow one person by that scent through a crowd because everybody's different. God, everybody's different. That's the, that's the imagination, the variety of God. And we are going to get to know him and the privilege. The best thing that can happen to us is that we can know him and to know him better, better, better. That's the, that's the ultimate, I'm convinced, the ultimate privilege of eternity and, I, and that's one of the reasons why I think he saved us. He saved us so that we can be object lessons to display to whatever he has created before a measure of his infinite mercy and grace. Because we judge, we deserve hell. We are the one creatures. Angels were created. They obey. They have their assignment. They do what they're supposed to do. We're given, we're told what to do, but we can make the decision to do it or not to do it. And most of the time, we decide not to do it. We don't think it's a big deal. It is a big deal. We disobey once and we should be dead. God has his mercy on us. Tonight, we'll look at the, at the Lord and his sacrifice. But God is so infinitely great and majestic, and he is using us to display everything else and to tell all what whatever is in the audience one day, we'll have the privilege of being able to tell how infinitely wonderful and marvelous his grace is that we who deserve hell, the God of the universe became man for the rest of, of not just time because we're outside of time, but for, for became man permanently. And he became man to dwell with us. He became man to pay, physically pay for our sin because God, God speaks. When he speaks, that is his tool. That's his, that's, we use hammers and nails and screwdrivers. God uses his word. He speaks. But when it comes to paying for our sin, he couldn't speak. He had to himself physically pay the price for our sin, which he did on the cross.
That is unbelievable grace. That is marvelous grace. And so he is displaying himself. We will get to know him. And this verse tells us here that if we keep his commandments, if we have his commandments, we keep them, uh, we love him. And uh, he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him, and I will unveil, disclose, reveal myself to him. There isn't anything greater. There isn't a privilege that is greater than that, to be the objects of God's unveiling, God's revealing of himself. But you have to be still. You have to focus on him. You have to be thinking about him and spending time with him. Um, it's just really, really important. And it's a privilege that, that is, it staggers the imagination. It staggers the imagination that the God of the universe first would come and bother with us and love us, that he would choose us, not just before the foundation, but eons before the foundation of the world and plan to come and redeem us and communicate with us and reveal himself to us. This is such marvelous grace, and we are so privileged. I remember when Jesus was on Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood didn't give this to you, but my Father in heaven. What was it that made Simon so blessed? Why was he such a target of being blessed, being envious? That's the idea. It means you're blessed, fortunate, you're to be envied. You are in a very enviable situation. What made you that way? The fact that the God of the universe is speaking to you. He's ignoring millions of people, if you will say that. I don't like to say ignoring, but he's, he's passing over millions of people, and he's coming down, and he's communicating to your heart. You are very, very blessed. He does. I hear. He speaks to us. Read it. Study it. In honor of him. He's just he's so good. Tonight we have the privilege of worshiping him. So I'm going to open us in prayer, but I'm not going to close this. I'm going to pray. And then, Larry, do you mind closing us when you give a chance for something? Father, we do have been rambling on now, but it is, uh, to me, it's exciting that you have created us as part of your provision to display your greatness. And that while we deserve wrath, and we deserve hell, and we deserve to be kicked off the premises and locked up and shut up, never to be heard from again, yet you have come through such awesome provisions, coming as a being born of a virgin, coming into the world, living life that you uh, take that perfect obedience and it will exchange it to us. Not only that, but you go to the cross and you die in our place, so that you pay for our sin, and you're working to teach us and to show us, to help us, help us to know you, help us to see you, help us to understand you. We are, we are so infantile in our knowledge. That's one of the things that you say in Romans, that the non-righteous, the none you understand. You take you stoop so low to grab us out of the, I don't know, I'd say, that, well, the sword. Grab us out of the, the muck and the mire of sin, and you clean us out, bring us out, and pay for our sin, 
and plan one day to put us on the throne to serve you here on this planet. We don't deserve the least of that, and you have poured it out in abundant measure. And most, it seems, the people, most in the world are not concerned about that. And I wouldn't be concerned about it either if you had not stopped me and opened my heart, my life, and understanding to see this. And if you hadn't worked through circumstances like being at Lowe's, like uh, taking my wife home so that I have time home alone to read, and uh, just doing these things because you're God and you're good and you're doing what's right and you're building your kingdom and you're using the likes of us. We thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your kindness to us. Ask your blessing now on the remainder of this time. If there's sin in our lives and things that we need to confess, you, you told us this is the meeting to do it. This is a sacred time. And so I pray that you'll bring those things to our mind and that the things that are there should be confessed, forsaken, that our fellowship tonight would be sweet.